G'day, welcome to the next episode of uh, Rockstar 101. His name is Brandon, he's the DJ. His name is Shim, he's the Rockstar. Class is in session, and the first thing I gotta start off with for this episode is we teased a whole bunch of stuff at the end of the last episode, and we're going to skip all of that most likely in this episode, because <laughs> Shim and I have stories to tell. You're on the road, you're having an absolute blast, you had a kick-ass show last night, I got to see Metallica, and I got a whole Metallica Day miracle story uh, that I got to get to as well. But first, I want to know, how's the tour going? How was last night? Last night, last night was one of the best shows of my career with the puppies, with my solo stuff ever. Definitely the best solo show so far. It was... It was, it was fucking magical, dude. It was really dope. And I got to send a shout out to Sophia and everybody who works at the river for promoting the show and reminding everyone that I'm coming back into town, letting them know who I am and what I'm doing. But like, like I was telling you just before we jumped on the, the call, everyone was singing the verse lyrics to All The Same. All The Same is a song in Omaha. We, we came back a long time ago there was a tragic mass shooting in Omaha and they asked a bunch of bands if they'd be available to do anything and we were the first band to jump up and say, yeah, we will come into town, do a free show. We did a free hugs day. It was when the free hugs clip was still fresh. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, that has been kind of the, th the theme song for that generation in Omaha. And so all the same isn't really in the set. Like the band hasn't rehearsed it. We've got a bunch of new songs that we're doing. We just, we kind of run out of time. But last night... I decided to just sort of jump into it and I did it by myself. I just did it solo uh, without the band kicking in. And it was, the, the crowd was singing it. It was magical. And I actually brought me to tears, man. Like just a little bit, you know, a little bit of a bitch moment, but it, it really. <laughs> not like, not full on like, oh my God, it's amazing. But you know, it brings a tear to the eye. It really did, man. It was really one of those things where it was a culmination of so much work and so much time and energy over the last couple of years. And I remember there's a handful of, uh, benchmarks that I'm planning to hit that I'm going to hit. Yeah. And one of them was Omaha. One of them was getting back to Omaha and doing a show because this is where the uh, it's just where we've always sold out shows where the biggest fan base has been the most love. Like there is so like there's just a really weird special thing about Omaha, Nebraska of all fucking places. And and coming back and playing that show and it's funny because I told the band like a couple of weeks before we left for tour, I was like, okay, so we're doing this thing, rehearsals then, we're getting in the van then, but you better be ready for Omaha. Just so you know, we're doing Omaha on this date and that's going to be the special show. And Pow, my guitar player, actually came up to me in the middle of the set and him and I got a serious bromance going on. We got a lot of love for each other and he just came up and he was like, this is the best show I've ever played in my life. There you go. It was just filled with so much it was one of those things where i'm trying to really put a lot more spirit into my music and a lot more spirit into the shows and everything that i'm doing mm -hmm. and this was the first time that i really felt it reflected back to me like it was like everyone in the band was like fuck man this is something really special like it was really cool people coming up to the merchandise desk telling their stories it was hugs all around it was it was dope so yeah the the tour that was just the third show of the tour so the tour is definitely kicked off in 
awesome style. It is cold as a motherfucker out here. I don't know how people live like this. I saw on social media you posted about, uh, oh God, what was it? Um, it was like three degrees or something like that when you were- uh, Holding the chicken? Uh, yesterday, I think it was. Yeah, there was this, it was weird. The um, we, It was three degrees and we went into a Sprouts and they had, uh, we, I just went in to get some chicken. And when I picked up the chicken, it was so warm and so wonderful that I just, <laughs> uh, my face melted and someone took a photo of me and I was like, yeah, this is- that's how cold it is. Just picking up a warm chicken will just melt your heart. Uh, do you want me to make you jealous? Because it's going to be 80 degrees here tomorrow where I'm at. I do want to. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm, <laughs> I'm jealous. I love playing these shows, but this weather's kicking my ass. Next time you got to make it through uh, West Texas, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, th- so the tour, the tour, it started off obviously very well. And if you want to check out where Shim is at, just head to shimmusic.com. He's on tour all the way through till the end of March. So check out all the dates. Check him out if he's coming to your town. Now, I want to hear about Metallica. Just get into it. Just tell me. You've been, te- you've been, oh you've been texting me. You called me a few days ago like, oh, I got a great story. Fucking, all right, finally, let's hear it. So kind of synopsis of this is Jim Brewer is the man. Are you familiar with who Jim Brewer is? I've heard the name. Okay, so Jim Brewer, he's a comedian. He was on Saturday Night Live back in the 90s. He did. Uh, he was the one who would imitate Joe Pesci. He did Goat Boy, all kinds of hilarious stuff. He's in the movie Half-Baked with Dave Chappelle, uh, and now he does a bunch of uh, touring stuff with his comedy tour, and for this recent Metallica tour, he is the one who's opening up for the band, because the band kind of looked at it, and they're like, man, these other bands that we put up on stage in front of us, uh, it's tough on them because the, the the fans are there to see Metallica, you know, and they can be really fucking rude to the band, so they were trying to figure out some sort of an opening act that they can put out there that's going to get the crowd pumped, that's going to do great, And Jim Brewer, who has incorporated Metallica, ACDC into his comedy act, they asked him to do it. He's good friends with the band. So he's been touring with them. So they were in town on a Thursday. Wow. So they so you're telling me they have a comedian opening up for Metallica? Yes. And it's not necessarily Jesus. a comedy show. He he sprinkles some comedy in there, but he's really a, a hype man is what he is. Right. He gets talking to the crowd. He runs into the stands. He tries to find the oldest fan in the crowd. He tries to find the youngest fan in the crowd. He talks to him. He interviews him. And he just it's it's a great, great show and it's a it's an amazing way to kick off a Metallica show. Like, it's brilliantly done. Right. So they're in town on a Thursday. Wednesday, he's in town because he's going to be doing his own stand-up comedy Wednesday night. And so tickets... I live in El Paso, Texas. We've been looking forward to this Metallica show for about a year, I think. And when these tickets went on sale, they sold out in 20 minutes. Jesus. I know this because we we followed the ticket sales live on the air on the morning show that I'm on while we kept refreshing the page. And in 20 minutes gone. All of the tickets sold out. Wow. And at the time was when I was planning my wedding. So my wife and I were like, ah, we can't afford this. Like all of our money right now, it's got to go to the wedding. So Metallica is out of the picture. So for a whole year, I'm thinking I'm not going to go to the show. Wednesday rolls around. Jim Brewer is supposed to be in the studio with us that morning. He sleeps in. <laughs> he calls me. He's apologizing. He's like, you know, I don't ever do this. I'm such an idiot. Uh, what can we do? So I call him back and I'm like, I asked him where he was at and he's staying not even five minutes down the road from the radio station. So I told him, I go, I'll come pick you up. And he's super grateful for it. So then he doesn't have to take an Uber. He can get ready really quick, hop in the car and get on in. So as I'm driving him into the station, 
he asks me, are you going to go to the show tomorrow night? And I mentioned no, because I don't have any tickets. You know, I was getting married last year, couldn't afford the tickets, blah, 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 blah. And he just kind of chuckles a little bit. And he goes, eh, he goes, I could help you out with that. <laughs> so in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that's super cool. But I'm also thinking, how serious is he? Because that's something that somebody could very easily say. Yeah, don't worry. I can help you out with that. But nothing really comes to fruition, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, we bring him into the station. He does the interview with us. He does the interviews around the building. He even goes on uh, my YouTube show that I do called The After Buzz. He spends 40 minutes with me in there. It's just a super cool guy, really down to earth, great to talk to. And as I'm driving him back to his hotel, I'm thinking, okay, I got to ask him again to kind of gauge how serious he is about getting into this Metallica show. So I bring it up and he tells me, just text me tomorrow morning. I'm going to be at the box office around 1230. And when I get there, I'll try to find a couple of tickets for you. He goes, oh, but wait, he goes, you probably want three tickets, one for you, one for your wife and one for your kid. Because earlier I had mentioned to him how I had just introduced my kid to Metallica, something we've talked about on this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. So he's like, it might be two tickets and a wristband or two tickets and a lanyard. He goes, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. And I'm just thinking, okay, I still don't know how serious he is about doing this. I mean... I've been around people before where they'll say something like this and nothing happens. So fast forward to the next day, we're doing the morning show. And in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, when do I text him? If I text him too early, it might get buried underneath a whole bunch of other texts. He's not going to see it. Nothing's going to happen because I'm not going to badger him about it. I'm not going to bug him like, hey, man, um, just wondering about those tickets, you know, like texting him every hour on the hour yeah. to try to, you know, try to get him. You're putting a lot of thought into it. You're putting a lot of thought into it. Okay. All right. All right. All yeah, right. It's to the point where it's probably affecting my performance on the morning show because this is what's on my brain. <laughs> so. About eight o'clock, I text him in the morning. I don't hear anything. Didn't he tell you to text him at 1230? He said I was going to be at the box office at 1230. No, he said text him in the morning. Ah, uh, got it. And then he's going to be heading to the box office at 1230. Right. So here at our office, we had a pool going where you signed up at the front desk. You were given a ticket and whoever's name gets drawn out of a hat wins two tickets to Metallica. Right. So my work day ends. It's right around 1130, 1145. I'm driving home. All of a sudden I get a phone call from my boss and he tells me, guess what? You won. You got the two tickets. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, man. Like, sweet. I get to go see Metallica. So I spin around. I drive right back to work. I pick up the two tickets. And as I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't want him to have to go through a whole big rigmarole to try to get me tickets if I already have two in hand, you know? Right. Like, I don't want to get greedy. So I shoot him another text to be like, hey, I appreciate the effort, um, but I won a raffle at work and I have two tickets. And he responds back right away. Awesome. Hope you enjoy the show. I'm really glad that you won. But in the back of my brain, I'm like, oh, man, I really want an extra ticket for my kids. So on a whim, I get home. I'm super tired. I'm ready for a nap which I think might have helped kind of increase my courage level a little bit. Right. So I sent him a text. So I sent him a text that just says, unless you happen to come upon a third ticket for my kid. And that's about 1215 at this time. Right. I don't hear anything from him for hours. Uh, 530 rolls around and I'm at an elementary school for my kids for Clotico performance. So she's got her own thing going on. And that starts at six. All of a sudden at 545, I get a text message from Jim Brewer that says, bring the whole family. Text me when you get here. I'll get you all in. And I'm like, fuck, it's 545. Her show doesn't start until six. He's got to open for Metallica. So he's got to. We'd have to be there by at least seven o'clock, if not earlier. 
in the back of my brain, I'm like, there's no way we're making this. Like, there's just no way because this thing doesn't even start until six o'clock. Right. So my wife comes from backstage. Uh, she's getting the kid ready. I show her the text and I asked her, how soon can you be ready? When we get home, how soon can you guys get ready so we can be out the door to get there? And she tells me, Five minutes. Okay. And I had, and I'm serious. I'm like, no, like you need to be serious here. Like, I'm not going to do this thing, you know, if, if we don't make it. And she's like, no, we can be ready in five minutes. Is your girl a Metallica fan? Mm, no. I mean, she, 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 she appreciates it. She likes it. It would never be her choice of music. Um, but I'll get to that here in a minute too, because she has, right. she has a new nickname when it comes to concerts and her nickname is that's them. So we'll get to that here in, in, in the Oh my God, you that's all you had to say. I already know the entire fucking story, but that is fantastic. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop interrupting. Keep going, keep going, keep going. No, no, no. Fire off the question because I might forget something. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's a, a lot to take in here. So That's, that's them? Yeah, exactly. That's fucking awesome. So Go. we hop right. in the car from the house and I told her, I'm like, you need to drive. Um, because I've got my ticket, you've got a ticket, but we got to get the kid in. So when we get there, Jim's told me where he's going to be at. I got to call him. We'll hop out of the car. You go park. He's going to get us in and then I'll just meet you inside. And she's like, brilliant plan. Sounds good. So we get to the venue, call Jim up. He answers. He lets us in basically just kind of through the back by all the buses, by all the, uh, you know, uh, semi trucks and everything else. And we're just kind of, uh, making our way through the back. It's me and the kid who, by the way, the kid could not have cared less who Jim Brewer was. I mean, she was so enthralled <laughs> by all of the buses and all of the people moving around. She's just looking around, looking at everything. And he went to like, he put his hand out to like introduce himself. She had no clue what he was doing. So I was like, Hey, I'm like, kiddo. Like, this is Jim Brewer. This is the guy that's getting us into the show. And she's like, oh, oh, oh. And she's, you know, super excited. And I'm like, and what do you call Metallica? And she's like, the big deal, which she thought was hilarious because that's her nickname. That's awesome. Metallica. So we get, awesome. it, we get into the venue. Um, as we're walking in, uh, Beto O'Rourke is there hanging out. Beto O'Rourke, the guy who just lost the Senate race to Ted Cruz. People are thinking that, you know, he might potentially run for president here coming up. So it's really cool seeing him. And then Jim takes us in, puts us in his dressing room, which the sign on the front just says funny man. It doesn't say Jim Brewer. It says funny man or or funny guy, I think is what it was. Wow. Okay. I love this story so much. I love it. Keep going. So we're in the dressing room and Jim's like, hey, where's your wife at? And I was like, oh, she just parked. She's like a block and a half away. And he goes, oh, well, don't have her go through the front. Just tell her to meet me where I met you guys and I'll just let her in the back. That's awesome. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. So he leaves. I call her up. I'm like, just look for Jim Brewer. He's looking for you. Yeah, right. So she goes to the back. They meet up and then he brings her back. So then it's the three of us hanging out in Jim Brewer's dressing room for the Metallica show. So he's kind of got a few things he's got to do. Uh, one, you know, he's got some people that are working with him and they're getting ready. And all of a sudden Jim comes up to me and he's like, hey, man, um, so you've only got two tickets, right? And I was like, yeah, just, you know, a couple. And he goes, well, you three are going to want to sit, you know, be next to each other. And you can't do that if you only have two tickets. Do you guys just want to go on the floor? Wow. Okay. I'm like, get <laughs> the fuck out of here. So I'm like, absolutely. So he walks us out. He walks us out into the venue and it's Metallica. So they got the whole big 360 setup where the stage is smack dab in the middle of the arena. We walk out. 
and they have it set up. So there's a bunch of equipment on the right hand side and then there's a barricade and then the actual floor, which leads up to the stage. So he puts us behind the barricade and he goes, just stand right here. He goes, nobody's going to bug you. If you need anything, just ask me. So he just snuck us back there and that's where we hung out for the entire show. So we're sitting there, we're hanging out. He gets up on stage. He's kind of doing his thing. He's getting the crowd going. Uh, He finds the oldest guy in the crowd. He finds the youngest kid in the crowd. It's just, it's a really good time all in all. And then once he's done, before Metallica gets on stage, he comes over to me and just to double check, he's like, hey, is everything good? Do you guys need anything? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're doing fine, man. Like you've done enough at this point. And out of nowhere, he just, he snaps his finger and goes, oh, wait a minute. He goes, I got to get you a set list. So he runs to the backstage, comes back out with a set list for me. And I'm like, this guy's fucking amazing. Like Jim Brewer has officially become one of my favorite people on the planet at this point. Yeah. Like he's not only snuck me in, my wife in, my kid in, down to the floor. He's hooked us up with a set list. So then we're sitting there down in the front. And then all of a sudden Metallica comes out. The whole crowd's going nuts. It's awesome. The kid is loving it. The wife is loving it. Um, And then they get into about the second song. And as I turn around, he and I kind of made eye contact. And he gives me that, are you guys okay? Kind of thumbs up look, like checking in on us. So he does that thing to us. And I did that universal sign for water. You know, where you take your hand and you put it to your mouth and you kind of tip it up. Like, do you have any water? Right. Dude runs to the backstage, comes back out. With three bottles of water for us. What the like, fuck, like, man? He, he, I know. Just <laughs> the most amazing person on the planet. Like this no, night, this whole I, day. I'm saying, what the fuck? You had the audacity to ask for a bottle of water after everything <laughs> he'd already done for you. Because I was with my kid. If I'm not with my kid, I'm not going to care. But I'm with my kid. And right. the fact is, I didn't want to leave because we didn't have the passes to technically be there. Oh, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And that did, makes yeah. sense. Okay. And so, and no, if, you know, if I had a pass or something, I would have gone somewhere, but I didn't have the pass. So right. um, I didn't want to leave and then be given a bunch of shit by somebody else. So that's why I asked him for yeah, the water. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. brought it right over to us, man. And it, quite that's frankly, it's me too. I didn't, I wouldn't have cared, but I think my, you know, my kids, you know, thirsty, the wife is thirsty, got to make sure that they're taken care of. Um, but then as we get into the set list, they go into, um, now I'm going to completely blank on the damn song that they went into. Um, I think it might've been for whom the bell tolls. But as they go into the song, my wife looks at me, and I think I got this on film, and you just hear her oh, in the background Jesus. going, that's them? Oh, that's my God. Because <laughs> she did the same thing at Alice in Chains when we went to Alice in Chains. Like she, look, she grew up on rock music, but she grew up on classic rock, like Creedence Clearwater and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, any of the newer stuff, you know, grunge, metal, and things like that, she's not as familiar with. She uh, respects it. She will listen to it, but she doesn't know it. And so when it comes to the concerts, her nickname is That's Them because she did it at Alice in Chains. She's done it at Metallica. And it's just one of the situations of That's Them. So to wrap up the whole night, we made it a little bit longer than I um, was even hoping for because the, the, the kid fell asleep during a Metallica show. Like she was wiped out. She knocked out for probably five songs. But the two big songs that she is a fan of are Fuel and Master of Puppets. And since I got the set list in my hand, I knew when Fuel was coming up. So we made sure to wake her up so that we could watch Fuel. We were originally going to leave right after that, but I'm like, dude, I'm amped. Like I want like I'm not leaving now. There's still like, you know, six or seven songs left. We got to stick around. So we stuck around for Yeah, you got to yeah, yeah. yeah, We stuck around for Moth into Flames and we left right after Sad but True when they started to go into one and it was arguably one of the greatest days in my life. I mean, 
the only day I can even really think of right now that could top it would be my wedding day. Like my wedding day is hand, hands down the number one day of my life. This is easily a top five because everything kind of fell into place yeah. when it came to this day and being able to go see Metallica. And the interesting thing is when I left work that day, I wasn't even planning on going to the show. That's awesome. That's so cool, man. So let me ask you, how did they sound honestly? Like you were down there. How was the sound? Because, you know, they've been around for a million years. Everyone knows they're, they're, they're older than they used to be. They've been a long time between tours. How did they sound? They sounded amazing. Yeah? They, they There was like every, everything was just on point. It was like, it would have been one thing to have all that stuff happen, and then if Metallica comes out and they're not quite Metallica and something's off on the show, no, 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 no. Metallica was fucking amazing. It was top five concert as well. Not just all the stuff That's... that was going on, but actual concert as well. And the atmosphere in the arena had a lot to do with it, too, because it was such a big deal because they haven't been in El Paso, Texas in, good Lord, 20, 20 years, I think? years, yeah. yeah. And that tour, I mean, this is like a two-year-long tour that is getting so much attention. It's like apparent. I mean, there's like everything, pyro, fireworks, you know, the 360. It's the biggest tour that's like, I think it's like one of the biggest tours in rock and roll history. And and at their age, uh, at, at the level that they're at, and it's been so long that they were gone between records, I actually got a lot of respect for the fact that they came back swinging a big fucking dick. Like, they came back swinging from what I've seen. And now hearing what you just said, it sounds awesome. Yeah, the show was amazing. I'm so glad that I got to go to it. Um, it was... Uh, no, actually, I take it back. It wasn't For Whom the Bell Tolls when my wife yelled that that's them. The first time she did hmm. it, it was Seek and Destroy. When that, that first, that opening part of Seek and Destroy, that was, that's them? Wait a minute. Brandon, Brandon, hold on a second. Brandon, you're telling me... Wait, Seek and Destroy is Metallica? <laughs> yeah, I know, that's right? Them? <laughs> that's them? <laughs> That is the funniest thing that I've ever heard that you bring your woman to a Metallica show at and while at the Metallica show in the front row next to the most motherfucking hardcore Metallica fans. She screams out, that's them. Yeah. I'm surprised someone didn't turn around and fucking confront you guys and say, why are you even here? <laughs> I know, not even that. Like, what are you doing? Like hanging out right behind the barricade down on the floor. Yeah. I paid money for these tickets. How the fuck did you get in? Yeah. The ble <laughs> bless her soul. She's a trooper. She loves it. She's. She's truly there for me. Like it's that's never a show that she would go to on her own. Uh, and I, I also I got a, another funny story from Jim Brewer about Metallica and their song uh, "Bread Fan." And when um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers came out with their song, ah um, oh, fuck, now I'm gonna blank on the name of the song, but it it starts out almost exactly like Bread Fan does. Jim first heard that Chili Peppers song and he called Lars up. And was like, dude, did you hear this new Chili Peppers song? They're fucking ripping you off. It sounds just like Bread Fan. And that's when Lars had to break it to him. He was like, uh, we covered Bread Fan. That's not even our original song. It was recorded by uh, Budgie back in the day. Like, that's something that we covered. So they're not, like, they're not even ripping us off at this point. And that's when Jim, was, he, he's telling the story. He's like, so then I kind of cowered away and, you know, uh, ignored that altogether. <laughs> that's funny shit, man. So that's my Metallica story. It was well worth it. It's one of those ones that's going to go down. And I'm really glad I got to do it, too, simply because I'm glad I got to get the kid in there because she's enjoying Metallica and she now has a really really cool story for her first Metallica show one of part of which is she fell asleep for like six songs 
Well, that's what kids do. I mean, how many rock shows has she been to? Oh, man, um, I think the only other one was the Street Fest that she was at when you were in town. Really? I so think it that's was about it. Yeah. Was my show the first show that she'd seen, like a rock and roll show? I think that was the first rock and roll show. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's really cool, man. Okay, cool. Yeah, we took her to. Uh, they have like the the tribute shows that they'll do every now and then, and they had a Queen one that came through town, and we took her to that as well because she's a big Queen Freddie Mercury fan. So we were able to take her to that. So we're getting her out there involved with that stuff, that stuff as much as possible. Okay, so let's jump to Queen for a second. I know we're going to go off track again, but I'm curious. Did you watch the Academy Awards? Last week? I did. This is like the first year I've watched it in probably 25, 30 years, I think. Yeah. I happened to be at a friend's house while they were watching it, and I saw uh, Rami Malek won for playing Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, best actor. Do you agree that he should have won? Do you agree? I, it's it's difficult for me to say because I haven't seen the other movies. I thought he did a great job. Um, man, it's... It, Having not seen the other movies, it's difficult to say. Um, I don't think the movie was all that good. The movie, actually, I got a lot of problems with. But his performance, I think, was the one thing that stood out. Well, everyone was talking crazy about his performance. But I, I agree with you on certain in certain ways that the movie was like. What did you have a problem with in terms of the movie? What was what, what were your problems? The movie was very cookie cutter. It was very. Yeah. This is the story of a rock band. This is how they get together. This is the turmoil they go through. This is how they get back together. They completely butchered the timeline. Like this whole story. Oh, totally. of, Oh, Freddie Mercury announced to the band right before Live Aid that he has HIV. No, he didn't even find out he had HIV till like two years after that. Yeah. So the the timeline thing really bothered me. And but what makes it even worse is when you're doing a movie about a band like Queen, who was very experimental, very outside of the box when it came to their music, to do a movie that was so cookie cutter mm. really bothered me. I think that's arguably my biggest criticism of Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, I'm going to watch it every time that it comes on the air. Like, like yeah. if it's on TV, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I'll probably buy it. But that, for me, is the biggest issue. What issue do you have with it? Well, it's interesting because I I know that... (coughs) You know that Sasha Baron Cohen was actually the first person who was signed on to play Freddie Mercury? Did you know that? Yes. And they had a problem because they were having issues with the storyline and what they were going to do with the storyline. He didn't agree with it. And then that's when he backed out. Yeah. And so you can imagine how much must have been wrong with the story originally considering how many timeline flaws there are in the current one. And I agree with you. I mm-hmm. I went and saw the original and I watched it and I was like, okay, cool, Queen, great music. You know, the actor does a great performance. But it wasn't until after I saw it and actually Pow, my guitar player, he was the first one to tell me, yo, they'd been on tour like for months before Live Aid. They made it, they made out like, uh, you know, Live Aid was some sort of comeback and they hadn't played a show in years. Yeah. And then also that like um, Freddie Mercury broke up the band to do a solo record, but the drummer had actually done a solo record a couple of years beforehand and everyone was fine with it and they were just doing their thing. So they really over-dramatized the entire situation. Yeah. And once I watched it again, there's this one thing, and it's funny because I was talking about this with the band just yesterday where we, I watched it on the plane ride over from Sydney before Crucified Tour started. And when they're in the fucking uh, rehearsal room and he tells them he has HIV, which is also completely inaccurate based on the timeline, and the band is standing there, all three of them in a line, and they start to tear up, and they say, you're a legend, Freddie. 
you're a legend. And I'm like, oh, you just jumped the shark. You just jumped. Like, it's just too fucking much. Like, yep. It, it, yep. I, 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 as I start to listen and start to start to listen to other people's commentary, start to look into it a little bit more and start to watch the movie a second time and a third time. And I watched it and I was like, I'm kind of a little bit pissed off that you have one of the greatest bands in rock and roll history. And the story is always the fucking same. I mean, I've literally lived the same story as half of the documentaries and this, the VH1 specials and the biopics that a band meets in high school or they meet in the back of an alley and then they start playing shitty clubs and then they come up and then they get they go to radio and they take a risk and then their shit gets played and then they're playing bigger places and then they're in a bus and they're, oh, fuck, it's the same fucking story. It's the same, it's, it is so the same story. Yeah. But Queen is the most like one of the most iconic bands in history. To have watered down their story to that degree, and and I don't know, like there's a part of me because I know that the guitar work in Queen is some of the best guitar work that is that exists in rock and roll, especially of that period. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Zeppelin, and that has a sound and a sonic thing. But when the guitar work in Queen comes up, it is so. I honestly, I think that, you know, because Freddie Mercury was Freddie Mercury, I think that the guitar work in a lot of the uh, Queen music was underrated just because it was- It almost got overshadowed by Freddie. Exactly. Exactly. I was about to say the same word, overshadowed. And that's, and, and, and that's the thing that bugs me is that I I have this sort of love-hate relationship with the film where I wonder, I know that the remaining members of Queen were the executive producers of the film and apparently- they wanted to continue. Uh, the reason Sasha Baron Cohen left the pr- the project was because the band originally wanted to make a film where they finished at Live Aid and then they went the last 20 or 30 minutes, the entire third act was just Freddie dealing with AIDS. Mm-hmm. Like just the whole, and, and, and it was like, it's, it's been done. Everyone already knows it. It, it degrades the legacy of Queen. And and so that was one of the re- that was one of the many reasons why Sasha Baron Cohen bowed out, but that's one of the things that I find really interesting about the entire process is that the band was the executive producer, and this is the movie that they chose to make. They could have they could have said no, they could have cut scenes, they could have said, hey, that's a little too cheesy, but they went with it. It was it was on the band. The band chose to tell this version of the story, and I honestly don't know how I feel about it. Sometimes I feel like, oh fuck, you know. It's a movie. And other times I'm like, man, you guys are queen. You had the biggest set of swinging balls in the music business for 20 fucking years. Why don't you swing them again and tell it how it yeah, was? for this movie. I, yeah. I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. And and they didn't. It, it is vanilla as a motherfucker. The only thing that is redeeming is that the performance for Freddie Mercury is pretty great. But it would I mean, it would have been great anyway. He was an amazing human being, an amazing singer. As much as Rami Malek did a great performance, I'm sure Sasha Baron Cohen would have done a great performance. They could have found a bunch of other actors that would have done the time. The story of Queen as a whole is sacred. It's kind of sacred. Mm-hmm. It really is. Because and it's they the, really kind of butchered it with the movie. Yeah. And you've got, I mean, especially when you, you're talking about the 70s and the 80s, there was only what, in terms of like homosexual or bisexual uh uh, 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 fucking gladiators, man. Like people who stood up for the cause and were unapologetic about their lifestyle and their humanity. You had Bowie, you had Freddie Mercury. Who the fuck else did you have? How many other people were that unapologetic at that time? And there was a part of me that wanted to be like, man, 
just just do a little man I, I feel like do a little better for his memory you know like Rami Malek did a great performance at the end of the day the actors got to read the lines on the script they got it they're, they're they're at the mercy of the script but I think they could have I think they could have dug a bit deeper. Yeah, the thing that bothered me too was um, the the storyline with Freddie Mercury's significant other and how he just happens to pop up right before Live Aid, and he goes. Yeah, with that was all fucked up, right? Live Aid, and, and but a, a bigger issue is I had they did the whole Live Aid performance. I get it, but I didn't like it in the sense that you're wasting storytelling time on something that if I want to see it. You can go watch the whole Live Aid performance on YouTube. It's a cool way that they recreated it. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Make that an extra on the Blu-ray. Make that something that you can watch after the fact, not something that's in the theatrical release, because you're talking about 20 minutes of uh, movie time right there, cinema time, that you're taking away from storytelling. Because I heard also, it wasn't just that they didn't want the movie to end with Live Aid. They wanted to tell the story about Freddy. The band was also looking to... Keep the movie progressing after Freddie's death. Yeah. And that was one of the issues that that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen had is that they wanted to get into what they did after Freddie passed away, then moving on and performing with Paul Rogers from Bad Company and kind of telling that story as well. And I would have watching this movie and seeing how cookie cutter it was. I'm, I'm with you 100 percent because I'm very torn. I'm going to watch this movie every single time. I I find it on television. I'm going to go buy this movie. But I'm really torn because it just, to me, it was so simple and so, oh, well, this is a rock band and this is how they started and this is the problems that they had and these are the small clubs that they played. This is how they broke up and this is how they came back together with most of that being wrong, not even being factually correct. I mean, if if they had made the version where they continued the band after Freddy's, like, do you think that anyone would be very interested in seeing a third act of that movie, like half an hour's worth of Queen without Freddie Mercury? I don't know if you would do a full half hour. Um, I'd also, I didn't like the ending, how they just kind of put the text up there. That always seems a cop out to me. When it comes to a movie where, remember at the very end where it's like, Freddie Mercury went on and did this and, yeah. you know, he lived and, you know, he ended up passing away on this day. And then the band, like, it just seems so simple and it seems so cheap and easy to wrap up a movie like this. Which, again, we're just completely bashing this movie, but I'm going to watch it every time it's on TV. No, we're not. No, no, no. That's the funny thing. We're not We're not bashing the movie. The movie's great and his performance is amazing. And the funny thing is, I, I, the reason that it came up is because I asked my guitar player, who's the ma- power's the most massive Queen fan. I said, do you think Sasha Baron Cohen is kicking himself a little because if he had just eaten some humble pie and done what they'd said, he could have that Oscar right now. And that's a coveted- Yeah, just sticking it out. Yeah, just deal with it. But- the thing that's like, I, I, I'm not really sure like if we're bashing it or if we're loving on it because we love Queen. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think I think there are so many Queen fans that are it's it's torn because they love Queen and they love having the story told. But the funny thing is that one of the main things that is really overlooked, and of course it's, but it's you know what? As I'm talking about it, I'm choking on my words because. It's the story of Queen, but at the same time, they advertised it as the story of Freddie Mercury. And Freddie Mercury actually had a very significant solo career. When he released his record, he did an opera record that was totally out of the box, but it was very successful in Europe, like massively successful. They still play it in arenas and shit. Mm -hmm. And 
And they didn't, they, all they did was say, oh, he went off to try to th- a solo record and it didn't work. And then he came back to Queen because Queen's where he belonged. And there's a part of me that wants to be like, man, that's kind of fucked up. Like you didn't even touch on it or you, you actually made the point of saying that he made a solo record and it failed. So he had to drag his ass back to Queen. And this is something that broke up the band. It was, you know, him doing his solo thing that put them on the outs. And it's it was stuff like that that I, I had a problem with when it came to this movie. But again, I'm, you know what? I'm probably going to go buy it on my way home. Actually. Yeah, for sure. No, that's ironic. Yeah. <laughs> but on that note... We, are, uh, we do need to wrap up this episode of Rockstar 101. We're running out of time. And I told you, we weren't going to get to anything that we teased in the previous what the episode. What did we, we tease? Some what did stuff. we tease for we the next episode? We were going to talk a lot of grunge, the big four. You got Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden. You mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Cornell. And then you also wanted to talk about Chester Bennington. We're going to have to do it next so, time. So, next episode, I promise. It's going to have to be next time. We're out of time, baby. <laughs> I promise we'll get to that in the next episode. But if you want to check out Shim, go to shimmusic.com. That is where uh, all of his information on his tour is going. And he's going to be on tour here through the month of March. And also, if you have any questions for us for Rockstar 101, be sure to hit up Shim on Twitter. It's at Shim Moore. That's S-H-I-M-M-O-O-R-E. Shim, you got anything else before we wrap up this episode? Nah, baby. I'm just looking forward to getting to the next one. Let's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be out on tour the whole time. Shimmusic.com. Go and find the dates. Go and check it out. And then uh, we'll be we'll be right here next week waiting for you. Make sure you check out the next podcast. And I promise we will get to the stuff that we teased, which is grunge, Chris Cornell, and Chester Bennington coming up on the next episode of Rockstar 101, Class Dismissed.